0: So this morning, I'm going to be speaking about functional faith. You get faith, but I'm speaking about functional. Faith that actually does something in your life, man. It's not you just saying, oh, I have faith, but you don't see way, anywhere. It's not, you don't see the manifestation of your faith. I'm speaking about functional faith, people. And to start off, if you have your Bibles, just go to the book of Mark chapter 11, verse 12. So Mark chapter 11, verse 12, reads as follows. It says... Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, he being Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard move a little bit forward or later on in verse 20 it says now in the morning as they passed by they they being the disciples now they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and peter remembering said to him being jesus rabbi look the fig tree which you cursed has withered away so jesus answers and said to him have faith in god for surely i say to you Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you will. So firstly, I want to just say, if you read that, especially the first portion, we have Jesus coming down the road, must have been ministering, and he was hungry, and he comes across a fig tree. Now, if you read that in its context, you will think Jesus is quite hard here, because even though there was leaves, the scripture clearly states it was not season for figs. But Jesus, the way Jesus operated, is Jesus still had an expectation to be fed, Of his hunger, in his state of hunger from a tree that was not in season. And the link that you must make, often when you look for things in your life, things are seasonal. But then there's certain things that it seems as if this mustn't come to pass now. I have to maybe wait a couple of years for this particular, it's out of season. But look at how Jesus' faith was. That even something that was not even in season, he expected it to be there because I expected, I wanted. That's my level of faith. And remember, this is the same Jesus that says, you need to walk the way I walk. You need to do the things that I did. So if Christ could do this, you can also do it. There's certain things that yes, we need to wait upon God. That season has to come. But there's certain things that you can command to come. And if it's in line with God's will, that thing will come even though it's out of season. What does it mean? What does it, if I, if I take it into natural, let's say for instance, I'll use money as an example. So you, you're not working and all of a sudden somebody gives you an amount of money that you get, that you don't actually deserve. So it's outside of your working. you didn't work for it. So you, but somebody blesses you. That's out of season. Because a normal season would be at the end of the month, then I get my money. Or if I work, then I get paid. But now out of season, I'm not even working, but I'm getting money. So that's an example that you can understand. So things like that. And this is how Jesus operated. So Jesus' expectation transcended the normal boundaries of how things are supposed to work. Do you know that that is how faith works? Faith don't work on the pathway of normal. Faith operates on the supernatural. Yes, normal. Faith works all around normal. Not on the pathway of normal. And often, we ask God for things that we can do ourselves. So that's not faith. We play these games with the Lord. We ask God, but we already worked out how we're going to get it, man. We worked out how, I know exactly how I'm going to get it. Now let me pray to God for this thing. And we call that faith. That's not faith. Because you can do it by yourself. Faith is something that when you ask for it, you have no idea. When you ask for it, you know in the natural, I don't qualify for this, but I'm asking, that is faith. Often God is quiet because we're asking for things that, uh, He doesn't. He's not going to get the, the glory out of this thing because you could have done it anyway, out of your own. He's looking for an extravagant request. A lot of times we apologize for what we ask for. Or you share with somebody. Oh, I'm trusting the Lord for this, and somebody, mm, sure. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we change our tune. Mm, maybe I can't ask God for this, or so maybe I... are you not a son or the daughter of the Most High God? Is your home not heaven? Then why do you apologize for what you ask for? Just because somebody looks at your life in the nature and says, "No, you're not supposed to have that," doesn't mean you tailor your request according to them. No, what God has told me, that is how I ask. That is how I expect it to be. So Jesus walked the earth with supernatural expectation. If we look at how he healed, he healed because he'd walked around not looking in the natural all the time. He walked around and he was looking in the supernatural. Oh, you cannot walk, but in the spirit, I see you can walk. Oh, you are blind now, but in the spirit, I see that you can actually see. Jesus simply pulled the supernatural into the natural. That's what he simply did. That's all that he did. It was in God's will for certain people to be healed of something. And he perceived that in the spirit and he simply pulled it from there to there. But now we in the natural wow, it's 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 a healing, it's this is awesome. But to Jesus is normal. If you look at how he approached healing, he said, Don't don't tell people about it. For him, it was almost normal. This is how it's supposed to be. Can you not can you not see it? To such an extent where he tells the disciples, why do you have such little faith? You see, faith is the lens of the believer. This is what you look through is faith, not through these eyes. We become accustomed to viewing and evaluating through our natural eyes that we forget our spiritual sight is faith. That is how we see things. And yes, sometimes when you do that, you're going to sound a bit crazy to people who have no idea of the concept of faith. It's going to sound weird. Oh, I'm trusting God for this or, uh, you're so happy and they can't understand. Why are you happy? Look at where you live. Look at your house. Look at how you struggle. But you're happy. No, the Lord is going to come. They, they don't understand that. So supernatural act is the definition is an act or an event that defies the accepted norm. That's supernatural. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. Why did he curse it? He cursed it because it did not come into alignment with the expectation of his faith. So he walked up to it, the son of God filled with faith and his level of faith expectation says, I'm supposed to get something from this fig tree that is out of season. But the fig tree refused to line up and he cursed it right over there. So there's things in your life that you need to speak to that needs to come into alignment. There's certain blessings that comes, that comes easy. You know, it comes relatively easy. But then there's things you, that's, it's it's a bit disobedient. I call it disobedient blessings. That's supposed to be here, but you're there. I need to call you from there to there. I need to say, speak to the things that are not as though they are and I need to pull them to align with my life that God has communicated to me. Otherwise you're not, you're not walking a life of faith. People often say, you know, uh, we call our our Christian uh, Christianity, we say, no, this is my faith. So which means that by definition, the extraordinary, the supernatural, the things that doesn't make sense, your your, your Christian walk is based on that type of involvement. It's based on things that you're not going to understand all the time. It's based on things that defines the norm. It's based on that. But we often try and force our Christianity to a position where those around understands it. Why? Everybody's not going to understand God's will for your life. Well, let me go further. Everybody's not excited about God's will for your life. There's people that smile in front of you, but they gossip behind your back. Ooh, I can, you or she want that. Oh, no, they want that. Ooh, they, but... uh... But when you say, "They say, yes, I trust the Lord with you," I'll pray. No, no but then they do something else. Not everybody's going to understand. That is why it's a personal thing. It's a personal walk with the Lord. If God has communicated that with you, don't allow anybody else to communicate and speak different things over your life, regardless of who they are. So, faith is a requirement for any supernatural act. Or any event that is needed here on earth. So if you want something that you, in the natural, you're never going to get. You won't be able to get it. You require faith. Faith is the ingredient, the main ingredient for that thing to manifest. It will not manifest without Faith. You can pray, you can fast, you can do all sorts of things. But if that faith ingredient is not there, and not any faith, the measure of faith given to you, if it's not there, that thing won't come to pass. You can throw your tantrums with the Lord, you can do whatever, that thing will not come to pass because faith is a foundational principle in the word of God. Jesus never, ever, ever apologized for his expectation of faith. When the disciple, when he cursed the victory and the disciples heard, he never apologized. And, Sorry, guys, you know, uh, and he gives a long explanation. I know it's not supposed to be the season uh, and all of this, so I know it seems a bit extravagant. No, he just cursed and he moved on. For well, people who don't know the Lord, don't know Jesus, you can sort of think, Oh, but that is arrogant, eh? It's not even season. But you want your stuff, Jesus? It's not even season. But Jesus is. Girl, you didn't give me. I curse you and I move on. I'm a worry. We often, we tippy around people too. We want to have faith, but we also want to please the person. We want to have, we have faith that doesn't cause a, a too big a ripple effect in our life. I can put it that way. And faith, faith's nature is when faith appears, it causes a ripple effect. Faith will always draw attention to you because you're going to have something that you don't necessarily qualify for. You can't have faith in a closet. You can't have faith and then you hide it. Faith always manifests something. And then we come to the disciples. Now in verse, which verse is that? Now verse 19 it says, When Jesus said and he cursed the victory, the disciples heard it. Why was it in there? And they heard it. Obviously though, but why did, why did it have to be put in there? And the disciples heard it. The reason why that verse is in there is because the disciples heard the, they heard and they accepted the audible manifestation of faith. So when somebody speaks in faith, they accepted that. But they were surprised when the thing that Jesus said, when it manifested, they were, wow. Because often we are okay with just the the audible faith, with me speaking by faith. So I speak to the things that, I don't have it, but I, I speak it like that, but we... We are almost tentative to when this thing must manifest. When it manifests, then we all of a sudden, wow, what, what has happened? If you get surprised by the thing that you trust in the Lord for and it happens, then did you really have faith? Because faith means that I'm already fully convinced, brother Gil. I'm fully convinced that this thing is coming to pass. Like Jesus, remember? Cursed to victory. He didn't look and wait. Is it going to happen? Is it gonna see? What? No, he cursed it. He knew what's going to happen. He knew already. That is why when they told him, Master, look at here. The thing is faith in God. It's what I expected. When I say something, it's supposed to happen. But that's how you test do I, if you really have faith. Or if it's just, as the word puts it, it's going to sound harsh, if it's just lip service. If I'm just saying things, because everybody speaks. the name it and claim it and all of these things. They speak it, but they don't really believe it, man. So don't just settle for audible faith where you just declare, declare, declare. It's fine. You, it's a part of it, but you can't just stop at declaration. After declaration comes preparation. Then you start preparing yourself to receive the thing that you've asked for and you've trusted for. So faith solidifies your relationship with God. It develops a dependency on Him. If you want to have a life of faith, it means that you, I have to trust in God. I can't say I have faith, but then I expect my brother Mark to come through for me and if he don't come through then, then, no, nah, that's not faith. Faith is, Lord, I'm praying to this for you. And I, I'm looking straight to you because that is where I'm getting my thing. This is where my help comes from. I don't pray and I say, okay, I'm praying. Thank you, Lord. I don't work that way. That's why a life of faith, you will always see believers that's truly living a life of faith. They in the Lord are like this because they look around them and they see the manifestation of the faith and they don't get prideful, they know that this is all your work, Lord. I can't even take glory in this. It's all your work. Faith ignites and activates your God-given authority on earth. When you walk in faith, it activates a level of authority that has been granted to you for your assignment. A lot of people, they misunderstand faith and they gift. Faith and their talent. You can be talented at singing or you can be talented at praying or whatever. Or that can be your gifting. But it doesn't necessarily mean that when you're walking in your gifting you have the authority. But when you walk in faith, that's when the authority becomes unlocked. Now whatever you do now, when while walking under faith and while doing it under faith, you have the authority and the thing has to align. The way you say it, the way you walk it, because you are walking in that authority. Faith immunizes your life against conformity and compromise. People who live a life of faith don't have time to conform to the world's standards. I don't have time to run to the world. I don't have time to compromise my walk with God. When I walk in faith, my, my, my life is fully directed towards the Lord. It's all of you, Lord, nothing of me. If you don't say it, I don't take a step. I don't care what people's murmuring. I don't care what the opinions are. If you don't say it, if I don't get the approval from you, I'm unmoving. So if you live a life of faith, automatically compromise won't be a part of your work with God. Because you're so fully dependent on Him. You're so sensitive to His leading. I'm going to touch on two aspects of faith. That one... That is a part of it. There's so many other things, but I just wanted to hone in on this. The first one is in Matthew 13, verse 58. Then it says, Jesus, speaking about Jesus, now he did not do many mighty works there because of the unbelief. So this is Jesus going back to his hometown. People knew him and he was healing all over, doing all sorts of things. And when he came to his hometown, he couldn't do many things because of the level of unbelief. Now this is something that is not new to, to to us. But your faith will never survive in a climate of unbelief. You can never say that you have faith for God for something. And you entertain unbelief directed towards that thing. It makes no sense. I'm praying in the evening for the thing. But during the week I doubt all the time. I walk in doubt. I doubt. I, I Whatever... Thing contradicts that I entertain it. Doesn't that doesn't make sense? If God has said it and you know God has said it, you keep unbelief at bay. Unbelief is like a a weed. The moment you allow it to take root, then it spreads and it will erode your level of faith for that particular thing. We entertain unbelief. The same like the story of the mustard seed is so small that they speak about faith. Now, unbelief is the same. Remember? Belief and unbelief, it's, it's opposites of the two. So if the one has a seed, the other one is also in seed form as well. And if faith requires a mustard seed, unbelief also functions with small as a mustard seed. Oh, it's okay. I can be around people that don't believe in my demon. It's okay. Oh, this person said, oh, you're going to, no, you you will never get that, rainy, never. And I love laugh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, no, no, you can't do that. I don't care who you are if you come up against the will of God for my life. I'm not playing around on, on this earth. I have an assignment. And if you can't rejoice with me, then you have no business being around me. I'm sorry. If I have to choose friendship or God's will, I choose God's will every time. And how does unbelief manifest? I have identified two ways. The first way is fear. So you trust in God for something big. But now, You get to a point of fear and the fear is triggered by vulnerability. If I trust in God for this, I trust and I have faith and my faith starts to transcend away from my mind and it starts to move into, I start doing things that's aligning with my level of faith. Now people's going to look at me. I'm making myself vulnerable. So I'm trusting God for a house. Trusting God for a house. Now I go to I start to make appointments. to go and look at houses and view houses. And people know that. I'm making myself vulnerable. Because if it doesn't come to pass, they're going to point fingers and say, I didn't come to pass. you mad, man. you mad. It makes you vulnerable. And the vulnerability starts to transcend into fear. And now you become fearful. And then doubt steps in and it knocks at the door. With faith, there will always be an element of vulnerability. Always. Because... You can't do it on your own. You have to trust in God. Faith is designed in that way that you have to be vulnerable. Look at the father of faith, Abraham, where sacrificing his son. What a moment of vulnerability to take the son that you've been asking for, praying for, laying him on the altar and you were about to... He was vulnerable there. And people just... Browse past that, but as a father as a parent, can you imagine what's going in your mind while you're doing all of these acts? There's a battle that's taking place, but this man of faith just pushes everything. Yes, I know I'm vulnerable, but I'm walking by faith. Yes, I see you fear, I see you there, but I'm walking by faith. I'm not allowing you to derail me. You need to make peace with the fact fear will come knocking. Will even sometimes try and snuggle up close towards you, but the moment you start to allow it to dictate what you do, then it's done. Then it starts to germinate and it grows into doubt. Do you think Jesus wasn't fearful? And I know Jesus was fearful. Why would you ask? This can pass me by. But yet he didn't allow his fear to override his calling. He's still, nevertheless, I'm moving on. So there's fear, but familiarity, if you allow it to breed, it also starts with unbelief. If you look at that particular scripture, they were familiar with Jesus. Because I know you. Now go up in the sun down the road. You made a couple of tables for me actually. Now all of a sudden, you have a different role. You're healing people. No, I don't believe you. you were familiar with him. People that didn't know him, accepted him. He did many works in the area. But when he came to people that know him, I'm sure you must have you must have found in your life when you tell people of something that God is going to do and it's massive, and they know you. They often, you no, know, you can see when somebody's smiling, but they behind there's something happening behind in their head. They're thinking they're, you know you can feel. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, okay, I'll pray, uh, but they don't actually believe it's going to happen because they are familiar with you. And now because of that doubt has sprung up in their minds. Because no, but I know, sister Michelle, I know. Brother Denver, I know all of you guys, and I know you, so how is this gonna to come to pass? Because I know your life, I know, what you know, I know everything about you, so how's this gonna to come to pass? I know your financial position, how's it gonna to come to pass? Familiarity. And also, we fall into the same trap when we become familiar with the norm. So normally, this is the process I follow to get that. And we become so familiar with the process that When God's knocking, when the supernatural knocks on the door, we reject it because, no, but it's supposed to come out this way. God's supposed to move in that way. No, that's that's the normal way of doing things. Supernatural faith doesn't require normal. It operates on the road of supernatural. So when you expect God to do something, don't ask God, but you also advise Him how to come through. Lord, I'm trusting you for this, and this is the way I want you to come out. (laughs) His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. So familiarity, it erodes your faith. Fear, it erodes your faith. Familiarity also prevent people from being used in your life. Because you disqualify them. And we often do this where God wants to use a certain channel, a certain brother or a certain sister to answer your request. But the way you treat them means a, a puts them in a position that they don't want to help you because you treated them in a way that you didn't know it was going to come through them. You were looking at that one over there because that one looks like the perfect specimen. Like the prophet that came and said, No, it must surely be that one. He surely has to be the one. In the meantime, on this little David. We often disqualify ourselves because we take people on face value. But God often chooses the very people that we Look down on, and he chooses them to bless you. Because that's when he gets glory. The next one in Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, well known verse, without faith, it's impossible. That's quite extreme. So if I don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. You're not gonna please God, or don't even try your luck. It's not gonna happen if you don't have faith. For he who comes to God, and it gives a reason, so why is it impossible? Because he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there's two reasons. You must believe God exists. God is real. He's not just a figment of everybody's imagination, this person we speak about, this mythical being. No, he is real. God is real. And if God is real, Jesus is alive and well as well. That's the first one. And then after that, you must believe that God will reward me when I diligently seek Him. So if breakthrough is a door that you need to access, then faith becomes your key. So if breakthrough is a door, the key is faith. And a lot of us are standing outside of our doors of breakthrough. We are so familiar with what the door looks like, but we are not using the key of faith. We are trying all sorts of things again. Trying, pray, trying fasting, we 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 reading all the the entire Bible just for this one break, but you're missing the main ingredient, which is faith. Faith is the main ingredient. So faith is the ingredient that lays the platform for God's approval of us. When do you know that when you walk in faith, God is happy with you? Look at Jesus when you know. You were somebody that walked in faith all the time and God's words to, to announce Jesus was, this is my son, whom I'm all well pleased with. Why? Because you, Jesus, you are walking on a platform and a foundation that is not normal. You are walking on a platform and foundation that points towards me. Everything you do, they can see it should not be done, but you are walking on this level that points people towards me. That's why happy with you. I approve of you. And that also confirms to me that I know that a Christian life is not a life that must embrace normal. If you want to be a believer, you can't want to be a believer and be like everybody else. And take a template in the world, I want to be like that. No, no. There's going to be a distinction about you. And... Regardless of which field you're going into, you can be a singer, you can be uh, somebody that works in business. You can go into that field, but don't take templates from the world. God will give you distinction. So you want to go in construction? There's going to be nobody that's in construction that's like you. Want to be a singer? There will be many singers, but you will be distinctive. You want to be a businessman? There will be millions of businessmen. But because you are saved, there will be a distinction on the way you do business. But now we try and look for, oh, because of the work for Brother Guillaume, now I want to take his template, I want to put it into my life. That's normal. Whatever you perceive with your eyes, if you can see it here, that's normal. And whatever you want to do, (laughs) let me put it to you this way, I hope you catch it. Whatever you want to, what God wants to do through you, has not been seen by the physical eye yet. No eye has seen. No ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store for those who love him. We know the scripture, but as we it's like we forget the scripture, we want to move into our calling. We look for a template. No, no, I see what you're about to do. The industry is there, but the industry is not ready for you. It's not ready for, for the way you're gonna do things. You're gonna change the way things done, things are done. Look at Jesus. If you look at what is if you can Look at Jesus in terms of a profession. He was in a pastoral profession. And what did he do? He went into the pastoral, looked at the way it's done. No, no, no. Things must be done different. differently. Pharisees, this isn't the way it's done. He <laughs> it came in a different type of change. They were still having church, the Pharisee, on their own way. But Jesus came in and he brought a new way of doing it. Imagine Jesus thought like us, the Son of God, okay, let me look at the best Pharisee. Okay, I'm going to take his table. I want to come become like him. He would have never accomplished it. But he knew that when I walk here, when I establish things, that's never going to be seen here. It has never been done before. So I expect there is going to be persecution. I expect I need to operate in faith. I expect that I need to trust God because it's never happened here before. Because I can't trust man. If it's not visible, it means man has not thought of it yet. And often we reject the manifestation of God's faith in our life because it doesn't look like something we have seen. It comes in the form of something that we do not reckon. I've never seen this in my industry before. So I reject the whole thing, but not knowing that that is the seed that will transform you into something of a distinction in wherever God has placed you. Look in the Bible, read the Bible, see how these how God places ordinary people in areas, uh, you know, in various areas, but they are distinctive. There's nobody like them. Solomon. Joseph. All of these people, they were other kings, but not like Solomon. They were other people that took care of kingdoms, but not like Joseph. Distinction. They were other prophets, but not like Jesus. The You want normal? You can have normal. I don't want normal. I have not been birthed into this earth and with a purpose for what God has placed in my heart, just to be normal. Supernatural comes with a price. It comes with a price. You must be hungry for it. You must be willing to put in the work for it. Because normal is easy. Normal you can just pick and take off the shelf because it's already there. Supernatural has to be developed. It has to be worked from the ground up. And that's what a lot of believers don't like. They want the microwave. This is the microwave generation that we work in. If, if you if you More than 30 seconds in the in the fast food line, you become irritated. That's how we want things. Now we treat our walk with God the same. I want it now. Not knowing I'm delaying this thing that you're asking for because you want a copy. I want to make you a distinction. You want to be just like everybody else, but I'm delaying because I'm preparing you because once you get it, there will never be somebody like you in the industry ever again. But we settle for normal, man. And we get irritated with God when He does it. Not knowing what He wants to do. Not knowing why is He taking me around this spot so much delay when I can see the thing right there. So God moves based on His approval. This is what you need to understand. God only moves. He only lifts a finger. Once it's aligned with His will. You can ask for all sorts of things. Pray for all sorts of things. If God's approval is not on it, it's not going to happen. You can't force God to do something. People don't realize this. You can't force God to do something. If He doesn't want to do it, if He doesn't approve of it, that's not going to happen. So God approves of a life that yearns to defy the norm. When you constantly, everybody's on this side and you're constantly operating alone on this side. God is attracted to somebody like that. Somebody that's always on the, they always think differently to everybody else. They always do something different than everybody else, God is attracted to that person. Because if you are like everybody else and God blesses you like everybody else, how's people going to see it's God? Because the blessing looks like everybody else. You and your industry, now you sing, there's millions of singers and you sing and you do everything like everybody else. How's God going to get the glory? But if you step onto the other side where sometimes he's lonely, but now God does something, guess what? Everybody sees the distinction because you're on your own. There's certain times when you need the crowd, but then there's certain times when you have to go away and you have to be by yourself. Jesus set that template already, but that's a life, it's, it's a life principle. So there's times where you're gonna need the crowd with you, but, this is when this, but there's gonna be times where God pushes you alone because you need to be distinctive now. You can't do everything like everybody else the way they do it. This is not gonna happen. If you want what God wants, wants for you. So a life of faith affirms to the world My belief in my heavenly father. When you live a life of faith, it communicates loudly that, that over there, God, I believe in him. Nobody else. Nobody else. You see everything here? Him. If I want anything, him. Not you. You might, that might come through your hand, but I still give him glory. That is why when you don't live a life of faith, God cannot get the glory. And that's why you don't approve of what you do. Some of us are in the vicinity of our calling. But because we don't operate in faith, God can't give you stamp of approval. Because you're only in the vicinity. of. But you're not, you are not—you haven't stepped over to distinction yet. This morning I'm going to try and push you over to distinction. For those of you who are on the tightrope, you are on the edge, you want to be normal but you want things of God this morning, I'm going to push you so you can fall onto that plane where it's just you. And then God can work. Faith also grants access to heaven's resources. Remember I made the example and I said that your breakthrough is a door. Faith is the key. So faith grants you access to heaven. We always pray, you know, Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth As it is where? In heaven. So that means that that key that I have, where's the origin of that thing? It's there. So a life of faith connects you to the conveyor belt system, the spiritual conveyor belt system from heaven to earth. It connects It connects it on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, for something that is not seen or has not been seen, The only place you find that is in heaven. You won't find something that has never been developed or something like You won't find it on here. The origin of that, the idea of that is in heaven. So if you want to be somebody of distinction, your warehouse is there. That is your source. You pull it down from there. So the earth that you live on is connected to and functions of heaven's supply. I'll say that again, the earth that we you are living on is connected to and functions of heaven's supply. Unbelievers don't believe this. They believe now we create our own things, we do our own stuff, there's uh you know physics, that's physics, or you know, all of these things. But the earth exists and the way the earth is because it's been supplied constantly by heaven. That's the mindset of somebody that, that, that walks in faith. They walk with this mindset, knowing that there's a constant up and down here. Like these trucks move and they truck to this place, truck to that place. Somebody that walks in faith knows that that's happening in the spirit. It's constant. Transporting happening all the time, up and down. And they also know that the owner of that supply house is their daddy. Your heavenly father. There's three things that I've identified in how you connect with God in terms of faith. Number one, you need to believe. Now You might think obviously. You you need to believe. And then the next thing is, once you believe, your belief has to be validated by God. By that what I mean is, am I believing in something that is in God's will for my life? You can believe in millions and billions of things, but there's certain things that we believe in That is not in God's will for your life. Certain problems you're asking God to take away, it's still there because it's not in His will for your life now for that thing to go away. That's why it's not going away. So you need to believe, but make sure that you believe in something that has been validated by God. So you know in your spirit that this thing is not supposed to be like that. Once you have that peace, now you move because now you have the approval of God. And once it's validated Then you grant access to it. So faith is the physical positioning for a God-given concept. Whatever you are having faith for, its origin is not from you. Its origin is from God. God has placed that desire inside. You think it's yours, it's not yours. God has placed that desire and that hunger inside of you. It's his, it belongs to him. He is the owner. If you compare, I would like to compare the process of faith to a, a relay race. If hope is the idea or the desired thing. And let's say for instance, I need something with a baton. So this represents hope. This is something that I want. So I'll play the role of God. So my wife is trusting for this. She's trusting for the manifestation of this. This represents what she wants. So I'll take the role of God and I come and I hand it over to her. Now faith, you've all watched relays. Faith is you are first of all. You're not in the stands. You are on the track. You are waiting already. That's why it says faith without works. You can't be trusting to receive, but you're in the stands. So you need to be in the position. And those of you who have watched Relay uh, Races, you know that they wait for a while, but then it comes to a point where they start moving. And when they receive it, they're almost running. They're almost at the same speed as the person who's handing over. That is what the life of faith looks like. You're waiting, but you don't sit stagnant forever. There comes a time when God says, Okay, now you start moving, and you will see, oh, here's something happening in the spirit. It's happening faster, it's faster, and faster. And when you're almost on your way, and it seems, Look, I'm I'm moving towards this thing, but it's making no sense because I don't have it. Then bam, all of a sudden, something happens. You get a phone call, or something does something, and now you have it in your hand. Why? Because you've done this. So you're waiting to receive. From God. Now I want to touch on two misconceptions of faith. This is things that we believe with regards to faith. But it has no validation in heaven. The first one. The name it and claim it. The name it and claim it. I mentioned it earlier. Name it and claim it is You see everything. Whatever you see. Ah, that's mine. Oh, that's mine. Oh, that's mine. I name it and claim it and... I'm going to show you that that's not biblical. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. And such a perfect example because this is about David. And David is summarized as a man after God's own heart. So if God would give somebody something, surely he would give it to David. So this is after David laid his eyes on Bathsheba. They fornicated. And then he sent Bathsheba's husband, he orchestrated so the husband could be killed so, she, so that he could have Bathsheba himself. So the husband was killed and then they got a, a, uh, Bathsheba was pregnant. So this is where it takes off. And then the Lord sends the prophet Nathan and this is now what happens. So David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has, has put away your sin, you shall not die. Verse 14, However, because... By this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed. So he tells David that, look, the Lord has forgiven you, okay? But because of what you've done, it's given, let's put God in a bad, a bad spotlight because you blasphemed against God. You've done your own thing. So that child cannot live and the prophet walks away. And then goes further and it says, and then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David and it became ill. Verse 16, David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay on, lay all night on the ground prostrate. So the elders of the house arose and went to him and raised him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat. With them, then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. So here we have David, a man after God's own heart. He's pleading, no, 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 no. This child is going to live. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to move on this place until I get what God wants. The child still died. You can't just name and claim things that's out of God's will. If God did not say that for you, you can do what you want. You're not going to get it. The only way you're going to get it is counterfeit through the will. And it's not the same as with God. So faith plus God's will equals access to your blessing. You have faith plus God's will. We often just have faith. But we don't consult God's will. Is it really in your will for me to have this, Lord? And the reason why we do that is because we're scared of the answer. Lord, is this really you and... I don't really want to know. I'm just asking out of obligation. I don't really want to know. Because what if you say no? And I, and I really want to see what if you say no. So I'm just rather going to have faith. I'm going to apply the faith principle. But then we forget the faith principle without God's approval hits me nothing. I'm actually just wasting my time. So we have a lot of people that names and claims and names and claims and names and claims and names and claims. And it's, it seems like they have faith. Oh, this is a sister and a brother and a lord. They're claiming everything. They have a lot of authority. They're walking in authority. But the thing never manifests. It sounds good. It looks good on the eye. But you're not fulfilling what God wants you to do. You don't have God's approval for this particular thing. So if faith plus God's will equals your blessing, faith plus man's will equals a curse. A progressive curse. If you look at the life of the prodigal son, now, what you need to understand is that it wasn't a simple process for him just to go and ask for his wealth. The normal way of doing things in those days, you only get your wealth when your father dies, only time. So he had a level of faith to go and ask. I want my stuff. it, going to your dad because basically, what you're saying is, I actually wish he were dead. Talking my things. That is, that is what he's saying. So you must have faith to, 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 you know, to go and ask for that. His father gave it to him, but that. Progressively started to plot his downfall. It was a curse to him. It's supposed to have blessed him, but because he asked out of his will, it wasn't the time now. It brought a curse upon his life. And that's what happens when you take faith plus man's will, your will. Not thy will, it's my will. be I want, to say, I'm gonna do it. That's when you, when you don't ask God because you are afraid of the result and God starts to delay and delay and delay then what we often do now, I take it into my own hands and I'm doing my own thing and I put God's label on it and say, this is God's will for my life. But it's never. And this thing brings you more harm and heartache than anything else. It's the blessing that you thought you wanted, but now that you have it, it's such a curse in your life because it didn't come through the proper channel. Matthew 16 verse 17, it says, so Jesus answered them and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar, Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The other thing about the name it and claim it is that if faith is a key, a key is linked to a door. And now in the natural, you know that the key you have opens a specific door. I can give you my car keys, but if it's not your car, I can't take my car keys and open every car in South Africa. Each key has a specific door that it's opened. Now, if you understand that principle, when God gives you your measure of faith, here's your key to open that, 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 that doorway. That means it's for a specific door. You can't go and this is what we do. I have the key of faith. Now we try to open every door that we can find. I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. Some of us break the doors down and every key has a specific door that it needs to go into and it opens that thing effortlessly. That's the key, effortlessly. When you're in God's world, the turning process and opening, it happens effortlessly. Sometimes it tarries, sometimes it's things you need to do. But when you actually walk through it, it's such an effortless process when you eventually have. It's effortless, it's joyful. But when you force your way through, it's not the same experience. Not at all. God has given you a specific key for a specifically tailored blessing. You can even ask God for the same thing as me. My desire, let's say my desire is a car. you also, you also trusting God for a car. The way God blesses you is not going to be the same way he blesses me. Even though it's the same content, but the blessing is tailor made for you. So you can't have mine and I cannot have yours. Next thing is hope versus faith. We often confuse hope with having faith. You say I have faith, but we actually have hope. I'm hoping for this thing. What's the difference? Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what? The substance. Substance is something physical, something I can touch as tangible. The substance of things hoped for. So there you see that faith structures the tangible platform of manifestation for what we hope for. So I hope for something, and faith is the substance that starts to materialize the thing that I'm hoping for. That's the difference. You see, hope, it's easy to hope, if I can put it this way. It's a less strenuous process to hope. Hope doesn't require much work from my part. I'm just hoping for this thing. And often we confuse, we say faith, but if you look at the way your life is, no, no, you're actually hoping. You're not doing anything. There's nothing changing in your life in terms of preparing yourself. You're just hoping. It's it's, It's a dream. But you're not preparing yourself. So it's not faith. It's just hope. So if hope is the image of what you desire, I desire something. Hope is the image. So if I require this, I have to print on my computer. So if the digital image represents something I'm hopeful for, but I, I, I can't take it, there's nothing tangible, then faith becomes the printer that prints out the thing to make it tangible. It's that whole process. When you print something, it's a whole process. All things you hear the gears turning, all the stuff happening. That is faith. It's the process to enable something from hope so that it actually manifests in the physical. It's the process. So you can't say that I have faith, but when I look at your life, there's no processes going on. You're just actually sitting, and you're just waiting. I, I call it the bus stop faith. When you sit at the bus stop, you don't do much. You're waiting. I'm just waiting. There's nothing I must do. I don't see anybody sitting along the side of the bus stop and they're doing stuff. They're just sitting on their phone because I'm waiting to pass time. And that's what we do with our faith. We think that that is, oh, I have faith in it. So now that I have faith and we mistake faith as hope to just have the image of the thing in my mind, now I sit and I just wait. But that's not the way it works. And we know this because the Bible says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is hope, actually. So if you have faith and there's no works to your life, it's actually hope. And according to the Bible, faith plus God's will equals access to my blessing, not hope. Hope is a small portion. Hope just gets you, it just gets you going. Hope is first gear to get you moving. Faith is all the other mechanical processes that happens to get me to my destination. But why do, why do we, Label hope as faith because we don't like to work for things. We become lazy as a body of Christ. We've become lazy, lazy Christians. Christians that just sit Sunday after Sunday, come receive, go home. And then nothing changes. I come back again, come receive, go home. Not, not willing to work in my life. Only place I work is in my secular job. Yeah, I'm working. I'm working towards a goal. I want the promotion and all of these things. But when it comes to my faith I don't put the same amount of energy that I do there in my in the things that I'm trusting God for a year closing scripture that I'll use is in numbers 14 verse six to nine amen the reason follows it says that but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb who were among those who had spied out the land tore their clothes because his people after they said no we need to go and possess it they said no we cannot go in and all of this, but they knew God said that that is our promised land. We've been waiting for this. We were called out of Egypt to go to that promised land. And yeah, they don't want to go in. So they tore their closed, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, The land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land that he gave to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. See, their fear comes in again. game. And often, when God wants to use us, especially in influential positions, and it's attached to your walk with God, we often... Don't want to go the route because we have to face certain people that's still in our industry. But what God is doing, He has dealt to that person. They had their time and He's moving them away. Now it's your time to stand there. But that process where you have to go in and move them away, you don't like it because you don't want to rock the boat. You you don't want to create the ripples, man. I just like peace, man. I just like peace. I just like peace. Sometimes peace comes in the form of that will bring peace. You have to push them out. They don't belong there. They're causing nonsense in the industry where they are. But God is raising you up to go into that industry so you can bring peace. But unfortunately, there has to be a trade. Light don't mix with darkness. The two of you can't operate on the same platform. Either you there, or other person's there. But God has called you. And often what we do is, when God calls us, that automatically means leadership. And when God calls us because we don't want to take leadership, I'll rather look for the next person who I can follow and I'll follow that person. No, he's heading in the same direction. It's like you have your own car, but you don't want to use your petrol. So you look for the lift for somebody else. No, because you're going in the same direction, man. But you have your own car. You can actually go there yourself. You can get there quicker. And when you get out, you're before everybody else. And you can do what you need to. But now you get lifts from this one, that one, that one, because you don't want to take lead. So God will never draw your attention to something that He has not pre- that He has not prepared to grant to you. So if God drew the attention to the promised land that's over there, and they know according to God's will, God says He's taking us to a promised land and He draws the attention there, God will never show you something that you cannot conquer. I don't care. And the issue they had, the complaints, no, these people are big. They're giants. The son of Anarch, look how big they are. And you know, they're organized and they you see the army, all of these things they came up with. But Joshua and Caleb looked and saw the same. And the thing that is different to them is that but that's in God's will. So I don't care what is there. If that is in God's will, I'm supposed to take it. And look how nicely they put it. Their protection, I don't care how big they are, their protection has departed. Why? Because that is ours. It's like they, 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 uh, you know, trying to get the people to understand, come on guys, we've been, how long are we walking this road? Now we finally by the promised land, we finally to take hold of what God wants for us. Now we're gonna allow these people to intimidate us. I don't care how big the task is that God has put before you. I don't care what giant it is. If God has said that this is where you need to go and he's placed the faith inside of you, it is yours. It's only yours. It's yours. You need to take hold of it. We need to be aggressive. Like I like the story about uh, Jacob where he wrestles with the angel and an the angel said, leave me. Don't you know who I am? And he utters these words. I will not leave you until you bless me. Because he knew that God's blessing was allocated to him. So even if I'm wrestling with an angel who can take me out just like that, I'm not gonna leave you until you give me what is mine. Key words, what is mine? You can't have the attitude of Jacob if you want somebody else's stuff. Or if you want something that was never in God's world. Then you can wrestle, but you're gonna be messed up. It won't be like Jacob just to uh, up this location. Your life will be messed up because you are trying to take on something that is not meant for you. It's a nice idea, but it's not meant for you. Jacob. And I like the fact that while he's wrestling, the angel asks him, Who, what's your name? He says, Jacob. He said, no, your name is going to be Israel. And if you look at the name of Israel, it's, it states wrestle with God. And some translation, is translated as struggle. That is how I know a life of faith is always going to be an element of struggle. Because faith is not easy. To have faith in a society where everything must be seen, it's not easy. There's going to be a struggle. But it's like we often look for levels of faith that requires no effort from us. It must just happen easy. There's no such thing like that. So if hope is the seed that is planted in the mother's womb... Faith is the constructive DNA and cellular process that forms that child. So hope just plants the seed, and then that whole process happens inside of the mother's womb. That whole cellular process that takes nine months, that can be likened to faith. Some of the similarities is you have the excitement of what is to come before you see it. Just the fact that I know, I just saw the two lines, I'm excited. I'm going to have a baby. You don't even have the baby. You're not sitting like Sister Misha there with the baby in your hand. But you're excited already. So excited that you start to prepare yourself for something you don't even have. You start to buy the clothes. You start to buy the nappies. You start to buy the crib. The baby's not even here. You haven't even seen one sonogram or whatever you call that thing. You haven't seen any of those things yet. But you're old. The baby has his clothes already. It's picked up. Everything's there. Same like faith. I don't even have it yet. I'm starting to prepare myself. I'm getting excited. You People think, I'm oh, man, you can't see it yet. But I know that, I know that, I know it's coming. You start to prepare to be an ideal carrier. The mother takes the vitamins. She goes for the uh, doctor's appointments just to make sure that I'm still in a position to give birth to this child, that my body is still adequate. Same with faith. You need to do the exact same thing. You are all pregnant with something. And your faith, you need to take care of. It needs to be nurtured. Lord, am I still okay with you? Am I still in line to give birth to this thing? We need to check. One of the ways is on a Sunday. That's one of many ways. The other ways you spend time with God and all of those things. But you need to make sure that 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 I'm carrying, I'm not going to have a miscarriage. I'm actually going to give birth to this thing. And I do everything that I can possibly do. To make sure that I don't disqualify myself of this thing. You have to sacrifice certain routines and habits. So as a mother, when you are pregnant, you can't go bungee jumping. You can't eat the same things that you, that you eat. Your routine changes. So when your friends do something, I can't now because, you know, I'm pregnant. I can't do that. Same with faith. When you have faith for something, I cannot. I used to do those things. I used to mix with those friends. But I'm trusting God for that. And that clashes with what I'm trusting God for. So I can't do those things anymore, man. When you're pregnant, you go through an emotional and physical up and down. I was going to say ask any woman, but I was going to actually ask the men. (laughs) Fathers, you know, all up and down. Now we just spoke now a couple of seconds later when I came back it was like World War Three. What happened? I don't know what I did. I'm sorry, but I don't know what I did. Up and down, same with you trusting God for something. Today you okay? you and fire for God. Tomorrow something happens and then you oh I don't know this, this thing's gonna come here. and then you pull yourself right again because that's how it goes. It's up and downs with your faith. But now we interpret that when we down, oh i I must give up this thing. No, it's a part of the process. Remember, there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh, and the spirit and the flesh. And on your way to that, there's going to be some days when the spirit, you know, is ahead. There is going to be some days where the fish fights, and it's just marginally in front, and you feel a bit off. But keep on. As you get towards the end, you, like with the ladies, your body begins to get used to it, and it prepares itself, and all of it. You are also at your most uncomfortable. The closer you are to the time of the delivery when you're so big as a mother, it's uncomfortable, you can't walk, but you know that I'm about to give birth, so it's normal, it's supposed to be the same with faith. When you're the most uncomfortable, but things are just not going good. That's often the time when you are close to giving birth, and that aggravation, those pains, it's actually that you are encountering with the thing that you have in faith for. But we often think that as oh, I'm an aborting this whole thing is too much. But you're so close. Remember, the closer you are to your breakthrough, the more desperate the enemy becomes to rob you of that breakthrough because he doesn't want you to have it. And at the last of the last, he pulls out all the stops. He sends everything your way because this is his last time you. Once he fails here, then you have the blessing in your hand. Not the, the formula of breakthrough in closing is belief. Once you believe, your belief must be validated by God. So in other words, am I believing in something that God approves of? It's in His will. And then once you do that, you get the approval of God. Faith is the expectation to receive that which God has already approved of. You have an expectation to receive something, but not just anything, something that God has already that's for you already. When, 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 you, when you go to your particular storehouse, each of us have an allocation in heaven that this is your storehouse. When you, and this is how it happens. When you have faith for something, the angel goes in and says, oh, sister Misha, you want that? Oh, there's it. Yeah, take it. Here we go. And sometimes they go there and we ask for something. I can't find it. Did somebody must place it? Is it? Where is it? That's when you ask, You ask for something that's not in line with God's will for your life. They can't find it anyway. So that's when you get nothing. Last thing is, if hope is asking for rain, you hope for something. So if hope is asking for rain, then faith is walking around with an umbrella. So hope is the thing that you trust. You're trusting God for this thing, but faith is being ready, preparing myself for this thing that I have.